Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. This episode is brought to you by AFCO, family-owned and operated. AFCO Fishing Apparel and Tackle are designed to handle the harshest elements and help you weather any day on the water. From cold tournament mornings to the humid summers in Florida, our products are built to handle the extreme. We are proud to hear customer stories about the 20-plus year life cycle of the AFCO products. Visit AFCO.com. That's A-F-T-C-O.com for on-the-water performance gear. And brought to you by LM Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats, pontoon boats, to bigger bay boats, offshore boats, and hybrids. LM Marine LLC prides itself on its customer service and knows how important it is to be taken care of and to have someone you can trust. They are locally owned and regularly support the community. LM Marine provides superior customer service and has an entire team that consists of professional sales members, financial experts, service technicians, and a knowledgeable parts and accessory staff to support you. Go visit their friendly, reliable, and experienced staff, now locally owned six miles north of I-10 on 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or call 251-937-1380. And by United Bank. United Bank knows what an important role agriculture plays in our local economy. At United Bank, they are here to support local farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness, including real loans for farmland, equipment loans, working line of credit, and more. Truth is, they deeply value the contribution agriculture plays to our community, and they help our local farmers build successful businesses. They want to see you succeed. Learn more at unitedbank.com or stop by any United Bank branch. United Bank, all loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC. What's up, guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. I'm your host, Brian Sand. Appreciate you guys joining us and tuning in for today's show, and uh, what a great show it's going to be. Hey, beautiful week in Alabama. Got the sun shining, got a little bit of afternoon rain coming through, which is always good. Cool things off a little bit. Give these lakes some current, some fresh water and uh, cool things down. So we, man, what an exciting week we've had in the state of Alabama for fishing. A lot of tournaments around the state, big bags being caught. I know that our guy, Brandon Lester, that was on two weeks ago, Bassmaster Elite Series, he actually brung home first prize, uh, won the thing up at Pickwick this past weekend. And, uh, man, he had some poundage he put in the boat. So stay tuned. Next week, we're going to have Brandon back on again to discuss with us uh, how he won the tournament, what his approach was, and and what he did to make the difference and, and come out on top in Pickwick against the best fishermen in the world. So uh, we will. that will be next week. But this week, I'm excited about it. The first segment this week is always one I look forward to, and it's our Management Minute segment with Norman Latona. Norman, what's going on, my friend? Hey, Brian. How are you, buddy? Good I'm doing good, you. man. How is Southeastern Pond Management going these days? Y'all, I'm busy time oh, of the year for y'all. It, it, it is. We, we actually, you know, springtime, I guess, is our is our busiest time. So we're kind of coming off of that spring uh, boom and uh, getting our feet back under us, getting caught up on some stuff. Yeah, everything's hopping. Uh, everything's heating up and everybody's in full full pond fishing mode now. Heck yeah, man. Well, hey, this timing on this is really good for you to be on today. You know, I'm, I'm also a, a real estate land sales agent for National Land Realty and and uh, I've got a place in Coosa County. Uh, it's, you know, 430 acre high fence, got some incredible deer on it for sure. Beautiful place, but it's also got two ponds on it or lakes. One of them's about two acres and one of them's about seven acres. And I had a, I had a client actually look at that property with me the other day. And, and, and a question he had was, you know, especially on the smaller pond, you really don't know with the larger pond, it's hard to see depth and hard to know what's in there. But his first question was, hey, have these 
lake's been managed and the answer was no because he didn't have anybody like you guys coming in and managing on a consistent basis and so these ponds are old and you know the first words out of his mouth was if nobody's been really managing this it's probably going to need to be reworked right and i think he's probably correct if he wants to have great fishing so you know going off of that conversation and coming to you with that question you know, if you got a pond that, you know, anywhere from that two to five, six, seven acres uh, that hasn't been managed, we, you know, there's there's probably a few assumptions that you can make on that. And I'll let you dive into that, but but there's probably a few good assumptions you can make from the from the front end, right? Yeah. So, and actually, this is a question or a, or a situation that, that we deal with this time of year almost on a daily basis you know as i said we're coming out of our our spring crazy busy season where we're doing all our our fish stocking and and you know whether it's crawfish or shad or tilapia or bluegill and you know we've always got something going on and you know we we get to june and things low up a bit in that regard and so we we start doing our our checkups you know we call them our checkups our evaluations our electrofishing evaluations and and i would lump into those into that the new lake and when i say new new to us uh, new to management, and lots of them are cases like what you just described. They're bodies of water ranging in size from really small to to quite large. That just folks have, for whatever reason, maybe they were managed in the past, maybe they changed ownership or or whatever. But so we get folks that call in and say, "Hey, I've got this body of water. Don't really know much about it. Would like to find out more about it, and I kind of have an idea what I want out of it." And uh, and where do we start? And we almost always start with an electrofishing evaluation, and that gives us a kind of the baseline information we need to make an assessment as to whether the existing fish community is suitable for sustained management. And you know, in addition to collecting fish data, we also take water samples to determine things like alkalinity and pH and overall fertility. And we obviously visually inspect the the pond, the dam, the spillways, the relative abundance of fish habitat, the water depth, uh, any aquatic vegetation, any evidence of nuisance predators such as otters, any evidence of uh, beavers or muskrats that might be doing damage. So we gather all that information, and this is important, coupled with the goals, the objectives of the of the pond owner, is you know we can gather all the information in the world that we want, but until we know what we're what our goal is, it, you know those two things need to come together. So we combine all that information with the goals of the of the owner, and we create a written uh, what we call management plan. It's a very thorough uh, document that covers from A to Z what we find, what we found, and then we we address all those topics that I that I mentioned earlier, from water quality to fish community, and then typically we offer turnkey solutions to management solutions, and we propose it in the form of a of a timeline, maybe twelve to eighteen months, to kind of implement all these all these recommendations yeah so there's a lot to take in and and figure out about the the current state of the pond let's kind of dive into let's just assume that this pond particular pond i'm talking about let's assume that it's you know a 20 year old pond it hasn't been fished very hard so we can probably make this up probably overpopulated with bass and they're probably stunted so it's probably a lot of three half pound fish in it probably not a whole lot of bait fish in it and as far as you know the the structure and, and depth and stuff there's there's probably not a whole lot of that either because upon that old a lot of that stuff would have deteriorated by now uh in a pond that you know that you know stuff around the edge that may have been piled up or whatever so if we have that kind of scenario how do y'all come in and restore a pond well, I know that's a broad so question, many, Norman. Yeah, and it is. But the way I'd answer it is this. There, there are almost too many variables, potential you know, scenarios to give a, a definitive answer. But the truth of the matter is we sort of break it down into, into a couple of categories. So first and foremost, there are some cornerstone management inputs, you know, sort of foundational to, 
to all lakes that, that are properly managed. And these are things that we have adopted as sort of our basic management program over the course of several decades, three three plus decades of doing this. And and those are things like liming, which you know most folks are familiar in the southeast. Most of our soils are fairly acidic and and lakes that have been left to sit for uh, years and decades without much input in, in the way of lime uh, it, it need, need that. And so we can determine that very quickly and easily with a water test. And that's obviously one of the first things we do when we visit. You know, secondly, fertilization is almost always beneficial, almost always, you know, again, one of those foundational management inputs that we're going to discuss and promote. You know, fertilization, particularly when it's done adequate alkalinity, when we accomplish the liming objective, can boost production in the lake by several hundred percent, three or four times. Uh, so it's it's just basic, you know, management 101. And then, you know, the last kind of cornerstone management input is we've got to determine what is our harvest strategy? What's our harvest goal? In most situations, again, there are a lot of variables, Brian, you know this, but the majority of the time when we're dealing with bass and bluegill, particularly in cases where the lake has not been fished much, like you described, it hasn't been even maybe limed or fertilized, been more or less neglected. The majority of the time we find these lakes in what we call a a bass crowded or predator crowded condition. Mm-hmm. And so we make some recommendations to harvest bass. And we usually do that in terms of let's have a goal of this many pounds per acre within this size range. So an example might be we've got a 10 acre lake. It's bass crowded based on our assessment, our, our electrofishing uh, sample. We want to reduce the number of adult predators to open up forage production for the ones that remain. So an example might be, we might say, let's remove 40 pounds to the acre. So we want to take 400 pounds out of this 10 acre lake of bass that are say less than 14 inches in total length. So those three things are kind of our starting point. And then from there, and there are all sorts of other things that we can, we can discuss moving forward here that we might get into based on, you know, just kind of site specific. Yeah. And when you're talking 400 pounds in a 10 acre lake, so 40 acres of lake, 40 pounds an acre in a 10 acre lake, that's a lot of fish. That's 400 fish if they're a pound, but in most of these overcrowded ponds, they're not, a lot of these fish that you catch aren't going to be a, a pound. So you're talking probably anywhere from four to to five, 600 bass. That's a lot of fish. That's more than you going to get in a boat with your buddy, uh, on a weekend, a couple and, and go out there and, and reduce the population to a significant amount that would be beneficial. I guess it can be done, yeah. but it take a long time. It does take a dedicated effort. It's probably not something you're going to do with hook and line, like you said, in a weekend or two. We do employ electrofishing for that purpose, and it's pretty darn effective. Of course, there's a cost associated with it. Uh, but over time, you know, if you apply effort to it, it, it can be done even with hook and line. And look, 40 pounds to the acre is it was just a, a number I grabbed out of the air. I mean, sure. it could be you know, 20 or 30. Uh, but the point is, it's a lot. And, you know, I had a, a fisheries professor back many years ago at Auburn that used to talk about, you know, these methods and approaches to manipulating fish communities. It was kind of like fixing a watch with a sledgehammer. I mean, it, it's, uh, it takes a significant uh, impact effort <laughs> To, to, to shift these these fish communities to make a difference. And it takes a little bit of time. And so we can speed things up with electrofishing, for example. You know, we can come in there and in a few hours and accomplish that. You know, there's a, obviously a cost associated with it. Uh, and we can do some other things to sort of expedite the, the improvement. Uh, we can, and which we frequently do. Uh, some of those secondary inputs that I was referring to earlier, you know, supplemental forage stocking is a huge benefit. And we do a ton of it, particularly in the spring, stocking threadfin shad, stocking crawfish, stocking intermediate size bluegill, stocking tilapia, 
stocking golden shiners. So that supplemental stocking, for example, coupled with the harvest is really going to get us to the finish line. And it's going to greatly enhance the speed and the efficiency with which we're able to accomplish the goal. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, and like you said, it can be done. But, you know, if you're somebody that's, that's wanting to come in and get a get a pond in good shape in a relatively short period of time, then an electrofish is really the, the only way it makes sense to do that. We explain this a lot. All these inputs, they're interrelated. Let's just say we make a recommendation to harvest bass, and uh, or let's say we make we come in and do our evaluation, and we uh, meet with the landowner and, and establish objectives, and we come up with a management plan that has say eight management inputs from liming and fertilizing to supplemental stocking to supplemental feeding to vegetation control to adding some fish habitat you know, maybe doing some shoreline maintenance, dam maintenance. I mean, there might be, you know, any uh, any number of items. The point that we try to make to folks is, aside from the fact that, you know, liming and fertilizing and harvest, those are your, your foundational cornerstone inputs. Those are certainly the starting point. But if you only accomplish 50% or 75% of the recommended activities, if you only engage a portion of them, Typically, you don't get a corresponding level result. In other words, if you do 75% of the management required or recommended, you don't get 75% of the result, unfortunately. Depending on what those inputs that might not be addressed properly, it might impact all the inputs, all the management, so that you don't get even 50% of the intended effect. So aquatic vegetation, for example, it's not a standalone. It doesn't, you know, that aquatic vegetation doesn't exist in a vacuum. The, the presence of nuisance aquatic vegetation affects other things like liming and fertilizing and supplemental yeah. feeding. And, and, and even it can even impede your ability to harvest. So all these things are sort of interrelated. And that's why we we present it in a in a form, and we call it a management plan. All these things are sort of dependent on one another, and so to accomplish the goal uh, to get from A to Z, uh, we need to engage all these activities. The few that we've discussed are the ones that we probably run into most often, but that's the value, that's the benefit of this custom approach that we take where we drop the electrofishing boat in your pond, we talk to you about what you want out of it, and then we tailor it to exactly what you're trying to accomplish. Do you ever run across a situation where you just look at the landowner or the pond owner and go, dude, you just need to start over. We just need to drain this mm-hmm. thing down, rotin on it, kill all the fish in here, mm-hmm. and literally start over. And how cost-effective is that compared to the other way? Yeah, we do, and that that's always an option in our minds when we go into when we take a look at a, a new uh, a pond for the first time. Uh, sometimes we even discuss ahead of time, particularly when we run into a situation where there's a lot of rough fish compete what we call competing species things that are not desirable typically in ponds when we have a population a, a community that's really out of whack from a balance standpoint again particularly if it's quite old so you know there's a couple of things to think about in that regard it used to be that the amount of time it took to grow bass up to catchable size you know, was a factor in all this. You know, you needed five, six, eight years to be able to grow quality and certainly trophy-sized fish. And with improved genetics and everything, that's not necessarily the case anymore. In terms of cost, sometimes it is more cost-effective to drain it and start over. In other words, all these inputs like supplemental forage stocking can be quite expensive. And so by draining and restocking, we avoid that course, we pick up some costs in the form of initial stocking costs, but sometimes those are just a wash. And and again, a lot of variables to consider. Let's say we had a lake that we came in and and part of our visual inspection, we saw some issues with the spillway. And one of the things we run into in, in these older lakes, for example, is very shallow margins, you know, where the over years and decades, the margins have sort of sloughed off and you have these large expanses of very, very shallow water. So maybe 
one of our recommendations is to deepen the edges. Mm-hmm. When we run into a case where that's recommended, where it's clear that we need to add some fish habitat, uh, where the fish population's out of whack to the point where we might suggest renovation completely starting over, it might be easier. That might make us lean more in that direction. We can come in, drain the lake or partially drain it, kill what's there, while the water's down, get in with some equipment, do some deepening around the edges, throw some some habitat out there. So, uh, you know, there are situations where it is definitely advisable just to start from scratch. And the benefit of that, too, is you get to take advantage of all the enhanced, improved genetics that, you know, the very best that's available now, particularly with respect to largemouth bass. I mean, we're we routinely see two, three plus pounds of growth per year. I mean, it's not unusual to see that. So every bass does that. But when when you do all the other things right, again, remember, everything's related. So you can't just throw a bunch of bass into a bathtub and expect them to grow sure. to three pounds. But assuming you do everything else right, you get the lining right, you get the fertilization right, you get the forage stocking right man, we see some of these bass populations explode, you know, in the first couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. I know that you do. And, and I've, I've seen that firsthand. And hey, we're going to be documenting a project that you're, that you're doing a restoration uh, that are going to go right along with what we're talking about. I know uh, Logan Parks, who we've had on the show many times and doing so well and in, in his fishing profession uh, that is turning into uh, going from college to the pros. But I know that he's, I think you're going to be working with him on a, on a pond and uh, we're going to try to do a whole play by play on that for you with you guys. So that'll, that'll be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we are working on that at present and, and certainly plan to do just what you described. And frankly, that's a perfect example of uh, we had that discussion with Logan and his dad about, Hey, here, here are our options. You know, do we want to poison this thing and start over or do we want to, uh, do we want to work with what's there and address the challenge that way? And, you know, we weighed the, the pros and cons on both sides, or Logan and his dad did. They elected to, to leave the fish uh, there and let's work with what we have, which we were happy to do. And we think we'll have a lot of success with it. So that's the direction we went in that case. And, uh, yeah, we'll have, uh, we'll have a real live case study to share with everybody coming up shortly. We've already started. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll have some great video for that too. And uh, as we follow that journey along, so that's exciting. We're looking forward to it. All right. So we've got the, you know, you've come in, you've, you've looked at the lake, you've shocked the fish, you've got the numbers, kind of see maybe what the problem is. So we know we need to take some fish out. We need to lime it. We need to fertilize it. We need to put some forage fish in here. All right. Now, last but not least, I know for me, I, I love some stuff to fish around in the pond, right? And uh, so I know that you guys are also able to put some structure in that pond that will not only aid for the forage fish to have a place to kind of hide and get away, and, and uh, but also give us fishermen some targets to throw at every now and then, right? Yeah, no doubt. That That's a great point, and honestly, that's something that a lot of folks miss and gets overlooked sometimes. And particularly these older lakes that have been around for decades and whatever natural wood, natural habitat, woody veget- uh, woody uh, material that was down, you know, maybe trees uh, that had been piled up when the lake was constructed. You know, a lot of that stuff is just deteriorated and gone. And so we run into this uh, frequently uh, with lakes that are a little bit, have a little age on them. So we, we have a great solution for that. In fact, uh, our friends at Texas Hunter Products have uh, we've worked with them quite a bit in the last couple of years to develop a, a whole line of uh, habitat and attractant to add uh, to to these lakes. Uh, doesn't they're easy deployment? Doesn't require lowering the water level, draining the lake. We can come in and deploy these things um, uh, just right out of the boat or waiting around the margins. And uh, they are remarkable. Uh, they they attract fish. They hold fish. They're fish. They're angler friendly in that they make it easy to fish around and through without getting snagged. Um, they can be moved uh, around if you choose to uh, relocate them. 
maybe the greatest thing of all is they don't deteriorate. That's exactly uh, they, what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, they're they're there. They're made of materials that are going to last a long, long time. You know, all obviously eco-friendly, you, you know, materials. And again, easy to deploy. We will go out and install them. Uh, we can provide them and let customers install them. But just a, a real a wide range of items. There's, there's surface stuff, top water fishing uh, lily pads and lily uh, things that are designed to float on the surface where you can see them from the surface that fish can congregate in and around. There's a couple different pyramid options, which are basically big cubes that can either be suspended or anchored to the bottom. Some of them are several feet tall and several feet wide. And uh, I think the large one is uh, like 33 cubic feet and they have slots in them and areas for the small fish to swim in and hide. And again, easy to fish in and around. There's some submerged stuff for more shallow water, some what they call fish grass, which is a, it's made to simulate shoreline vegetation, but obviously you don't have the, the nuisance of something that can grow out of control. So it's, it's actually strips of, of green polyethylene material that looks just like grass when it's down in the water, but it's easy to fish through and won't get get you know won't snag your lure and so forth and then they've even got some shallow water spawning what they call spawning discs which are areas where uh, fish can be attracted to come and, and nest and there's some some small slots around these little discs that the fry once they uh, hatch can get in and away from predators so all these things are are fairly new it's uh and uh, we're excited about them we're just starting to to, to put some of that stuff out this spring and summer. And uh, the we've had quite a few of them out testing them and playing with them the last year or so. And, and, and really, it's remarkable. I mean, well, and I loved – I'm so glad to see a company finally step up and do something like this because it, 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 it takes care of a lot of issues, you know, because we all are, are like, man, I want some grass to fish around. Or I want some lily pads to fish around. But in a pond situation, a lot of times it's all or nothing, depending on the depth of your pond and things like that. But it's like, okay, if I don't put any carp in here, you know, to eat the vegetation, well, then my, yeah, I'll have something to get to fish around and you will. And But you look up and now you got too much. And now the whole pond's covered in, in grass and, and, and things that are not as desirable to fish around. And you're like, so then you have to go back to the drawing board. All right, we got to kill all the grass again and put a bunch. So then there's no grass. And, and then, I mean, there's nothing wrong with dragging some Christmas trees out, throwing a cinder block to it and sink it in your pond. But what you got to remember in that is, you're going to get about two to three years out of that. And then it's deteriorating to the point where it's no, it's no use to you anymore. And we've documented this. Uh, we've had several guys that call into our show, big crappie fishermen, as well as bass fishermen that put out just tons and tons and tons of, of habitat. And they come back now years, you know, a couple years down the road with the technology and the equipment that we have now with the down imaging side imaging live scope and things like that they can look at that stuff they put out two years ago and realize that there ain't a whole lot there that it's falling in on itself that there's just it doesn't it's not what it's not gonna hold the fish that it did when they put it out originally so now somebody's got a product that you can easily to you know first of all it's easy to get to the lake and set up and then when you put it out it's it's forever this stuff ain't going anywhere uh, it doesn't deteriorate mm-hmm. so now you got something you can fish out, fish on for years and years. So I'm glad to see uh, the Texas Hunter uh, came out with such such amazing products, and and it's going to be beneficial to a lot of people. That's for sure. Yeah, we're excited about it. Like I said, and I think the plans are to even come out with additional products. Um, this is just sort of the the start, uh, the beginning offering that they have, and, and um, we're really fired up about about putting a bunch of it out. We just made a huge order and got a bunch of it lined up to to start going in ponds and you're right and we've done it for years brian we put you know we participated in those projects to 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 put christmas trees and treetops and 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 those sorts of items in the water and it's one they're it's heavy back breaking work and it's not easy yeah. to do and it 
there's big heavy work barges and loaders and things of that nature and concrete and so uh, but, but the main thing is like you said it just it just doesn't last certainly not commensurate with the effort it takes to put it out in there you know right it'd be it lasted forever but it, it but it doesn't and this stuff really does uh, you know it's, it's not going anywhere you know, so yeah, it's so good, good stuff. stuff. So yeah, yeah, so for pond restoration, if you're somebody out there and listening, and and you're thinking about making your pond better, or restoring it, or or just kind of seeing where you are in the life cycle of that pond, Norman and these guys at Southeastern Pond Management, they they have a deep understanding and and the equipment and the knowledge to to come in and 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 hey if you ain't got to if you call Norman you ain't got to do nothing they they can come out there and assess your your lake and then talk and discuss it with you and uh, at least you'll at least when he Norman leaves there you're going to have a report that that lets you know where your pond is and and gives you some options to restore it to what it, the potential that it could be. Is that right, Norman? I mean, that's it. And and that's what we're in the business of doing and that's what we're out there doing every day all day. So, absolutely give us a call and and uh, we'd love to love to work with you. Yeah, well, give us contact information in case somebody is 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 thinking about reaching out to you. Yes, easiest way to reach me is on my cell uh, number. You can reach me directly that way, and that number is two zero five two eight eight one three seven one. And you can always reach us uh, by visiting us on the web at sepond.com. Good stuff. Norman, I always appreciate you being on, man. Just so much knowledge and and uh, do a lot of work around the state. And, and hey, guys, y'all be, be waiting for it. We will definitely let everybody know uh, as stuff comes out. But this, this restoration project that Norman and Southeastern Pond Management is doing with Logan and his dad on their pond, uh, it's going to be very well done documented we got some we're going to have video to go along with it that we'll be putting out and on, on all our channels so it's going to be really cool to watch a pond that really badly needed reworked and to see where this thing gets over the next months and, and even years to come yep yeah. that's coming soon coming soon all right norman we appreciate you buddy look forward to talking to you again and uh stay okay, safe Brian, out there and we'll holler yeah. at you later okay buddy take care all right see you all right, guys, let's take just a couple minutes and hear from some of this week's sponsors. KillerDoc.com. Today, we're going to profile another common form of dock dysfunction, dirty dock. Have you ever cleaned up a nice mess of fish and then washed your wife's face in disgust when she sees your dirty dock as a result? It happens to all of us who are cleaning fish on old wooden fish cleaning tables that don't slope toward the water. You need dock enhancement. Killer dock fish cleaning stations are marine grade aluminum coated with a ceramic finish that makes cleaning your dirty dock a cinch. The scales and slime drain directly into the water through legs or through the slots. You choose the style. Check out the best fish cleaning stations known to mankind at KillerDock.com. And brought to you by MB Ranch King hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the USA. With durability and convenience in mind, MB Ranch King's maintenance-free blinds are built and constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. We also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. And brought to you by Photonist Defense. Photonist Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Photonist 16 millimeter filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and our hybrid filmless 18 millimeter image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Hey, great segment from Norman. It always is. Love having Southeastern Pond Management and those guys be a part of this thing and uh, always very educational. 
but I am ready to see what the fish are doing, who's catching them, where they're biting, how they're catching them, all that fun stuff. And I can't think of anybody better to talk to than my buddy Clayton Bass down in Ufaula. What's going on, Clayton? Getting off the water on trip number one and getting something to eat and getting ready for trip number two today. Well, dude, let me tell you, you ain't got the storm down there that I got at my house right now. You wouldn't be in the water. No, we've been getting some of those fronts in the afternoons, but we've been able to dodge them and stay on the water, so life's been good. That's good, man. Well, hey, you just sent me some pictures a while ago, and uh, life's been good, but the fishing's been real good, apparently. It has. You follow right now, everybody's been, I've heard, and I'm sure people listening have heard rumors about it, but I'm telling you, don't listen to any of those rumors. Now, we're not catching five-pounders like we were a couple years ago. We're going there catching 25 pounds. But I'm still averaging 15, 16 pounds a day on a trip, and we're still catching roughly, you know, normally between 20 and 30 <clears throat> during a trip. Normally, I'd say an average is 25. Hey, that's great, man. I mean, what more can you ask for? Yeah, I mean, it's a good time. I mean, they're all healthy right now. I mean, I sent you those pictures. You can look at them. I mean, they're just butterballs out there. Fish look good. I think you all is starting to come back a little bit. Uh, I look for next year to be really, really good. Our average fish right now that we're catching out of the ledges, I mean, I've been weighing them. They're, I mean, just a keeper out there is a 2.7 to a 2.10, and you're getting, you know, quite a few three-and-a-half-pounders, stuff like that. And every now and then, I, mean, I had one last week that was right at 7. Yes. The first thing I noticed on those pictures that you sent me was how healthy those fish looked. I mean, they – Butterball sums it up. I mean, they are just extremely healthy, healthy fish. What makes you – make the statement that you think the lake will be better next year what is it that you're factoring what what is it you think i know lakes go through changes they go through cycles and some years are down years and some years are great years what what do you think is in your mind that makes it where you think next year will even be better you can just look at obviously i mean i spend a lot of days out on the water here yeah i can look at the fish and to see how the difference and how healthy they are compared to last year and the one thing that really got me excited is the size of the shad we've had a bunch of little shad in here and it's hard to get fish to grow big on you know pinky size shad now we've got a bunch of those three or four inch shad i mean that really helps them put on the pounds put on the protein there's a bunch of shell crackers a bunch of bluegill in the lake they just got a bunch to feed on right now to grow big well, and, and that's such a, a vital, vital part of, you know, you're, you're right. You look at a lake like you fall and you're like, okay, well, they got a, a huge shad population, but the size, like you said, man, you hit it. The, the size makes such a giant difference. And, and like a fellow told me one time, I think it was Norman that we had on here a while ago from Southeastern Pond Management. He said, Brian, if you live on a big old hill on a long driveway. He said, if I set a bowl of rice at the bottom of that hill and you have to run down that hill and get that bowl of rice and eat that little bitty bowl of rice and run back up the hill, you're burning more calories than you're getting out of that bowl of rice and you're not gaining any weight in any size. He said, but if I put, you know, a big large pizza down there with about three toppings on it and you run down there and eat that and then walk back up, he said, it, then you put on weight and it's the same thing with a shad. If you got that so it sounds like if, if you got big, healthy shad, they put the weight on. Right. We had a real good shad spawn this year, so I'm looking for that to help out even more. I just think the lake is – or you're going to see a big difference next year where those – probably those average keepers you're catching are going to be like those 3.2 to 3.4s. That's nice, that you throw in. So Those are always – I mean, three-pounders, those are fun to catch, you know. You dang right they are. Well, man, how are you catching? What are the fish doing there right now? Obviously, you're catching a lot of them, and you're catching some some really healthy, good looking fish. The, I'm, I'm I know you, and I know you like you like those ledges, you like those deep that deep water. So this is a time of year you'd probably look forward to. Oh, this is my favorite time, man. I am the guys that they're like, you don't ever go to the bank, do you? I'm like, no, no. I said we might see, <laughs> we might see twelve feet of water today, but that's be about as shallow as we're gonna get. <laughs> yeah, man, we pulled up on one spot. He looked down. He was like, "We fishing here?" And I was like, "Yeah, yes, sir." And he goes, "We're in thirty feet of water." I said, "They're down there." They there? Yeah. That is great, man. That's great. I love it. So they moved back out, and of course, you out there with them. Are you mainly fishing twenty to thirty foot of water, or? Yeah, I got some stuff. that's you know that twelve to fifteen. Most of my stuff right now is that. I mean, eighteen to thirty. 
But, I mean, a bunch of people, and when people call about guy drifts or asking about the lake, that is one question I get a lot from people is, how deep are they? How deep? I'm like, they're as deep as the ledge is. It don't matter. Like, if there's a ledge and it's in 10 feet, that's where they're at. If the ledge, the old river ledge was at 20 feet, that's where they're at. You know, they're just using the ledge. So, I mean, it's hard when people ask what depth. They're just on a ledge. you got to go find them on the ledges. And it might be a 10-foot ledge. It might be a 20-foot. It might be a 15-foot. you just got to idle to find them. Man, that's a great point. And as, and as long as I've been doing the show, I don't think I've ever had anybody say it like that, Clayton. Because that's what everybody wants to know. Well, how deep you catch it? That's always one of the first cat questions i ask as a host how deep are they how deep you catching them and and i've never had anybody put it exactly like that but that's a that's a great way to to look at it is it don't there it don't matter these fish are it depends on how these fish are set up to feed and what they've got available and if there's a ledge in 10 foot of water and and, and there's some current coming over it with them bait fish then that's where they're going to set up if the same scenario is in 25 30 foot of water that's where they're going to set up that's right wherever mm-hmm. they got bait i mean and you follow i mean it's got it's like a bunch of lakes up there on the tennessee river we got current so we don't get the thermal climb like a bunch of other lakes that kind of say stagnant so a bass wants to live as shallow as he can but this time of year when they come, they're going out there they're trying to find that cool water they want it cool and if they got food they're happy yeah that's right if they got food they're happy and they're fat. Well, what are you? What's uh? What are you mainly throwing at them right now? I'm going through all my normal lead stuff, catching about uh football jig, drop shot, big plug, uh, old preacher jig. Pretty much, you can catch them on all that your normal stuff. But mainly, what I'm catching them on, uh, I try to keep something dragging in all my clients' hands. This way, it's just easier. Yeah, just makes it easier. When you're fishing that jig, that football jig, do you always have a trailer on it? I always do it. I like something that really kicks. Like the end of the tail's got, creates a lot of movement. Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Yes, I like something that moves. Good stuff. And you just, the way you're fishing that, I mean, you, you, you said it kind of a while ago, dragging it, but I mean, are you, you kind of fish it like you fish a Texas rig? Um, I kind of let the fish dictate that. I'm either stroking it real hard if there's no timber or i am dragging it it's one or the other now when you mean stroking it you mean you letting you throwing it out you letting it go to the bottom and then you're steady reeling it and trying to keep it as close to the bottom as you can no i'm I'm throwing it out i'm letting it go to the bottom and then i'm bouncing it like pumping it up and down stroking it up okay i got you i got you that makes sense there's times when they're moving current and they're like that they will break your arm when they hit it they hitting it with a vengeance yes they mean business and they ain't trying to miss it that's more when you're stroking it like that on you falling now there's certain lakes where it's different but you're more trying to imitate blue kill here when you're stroking it i got you that makes sense what about crankbaits there crankbaits doing pretty good yeah with their moving current when you get them fired up you catch them on a big plug like a jinko cd 25 cd 20 i'm going to more natural colors right now i was throwing like a tropical shad which is a chartreuse and bright blue but I've gone to more natural stuff. Main thing I've been catching them on as far as moving is like a Jinko trimmer head. That's been my number one bait with as far as moving baits are going right now. Like a scrounger head is what it is. Okay. Good stuff. Hey, I know you back in the boat in and uh, you got another trip to do this afternoon. I know y'all ready to get out and catch them, so I ain't going to hold you. But a uh, tip for today, you got to have a tip from you. Somebody coming to you follow this weekend, what's your tip? I'm going to, you said it was a good one earlier, so I'm about to roll with it again. Don't worry about depth on the ledges idle the ledges leave your rods at home turn on that low rent get to idling and the way people are out there right now when you mark a school don't do the spin on it just keep going and find as many as you have you can get because i know there's a bfl this weekend you're gonna need a bunch of schools out there because there's gonna be a bunch of people running around yeah they ain't no doubt about that man hey great tip clayton always love having you on buddy appreciate your time get out there and catch them this afternoon and uh, before you jump off here tell people how they can contact you yeah, just give me a call at 334-310-8338 or look me up, lakeyoufollowfishingguide.com. There you go, lakeyoufollowfishingguide.com. Y'all give Clayton a call, not only just to go out and catch fish, but if you are not as proficient as you'd like to be or you're like me, you're a rookie with your electronics and need a lot of help, Clayton's a guy, man. He, give him a call if you're in that area. And I'll set up a time to go out on the lake with him, and and you'll leave there knowing how to use your electronics to find these fish. All right, buddy. We appreciate it, man. Take care and good luck this afternoon. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. See you.
All right, guys, let's take a few more minutes and hear from some more of this week's sponsors. OutdoorAlabama.com. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com. Go hunt, go fish, get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Nobles, Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. Boaterslist.com. Boaters List is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you own or run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes it easy to find the service you're looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts or even paddle boats and all things in between at BoatersList.com. They will always strive to make it better on the water. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Hey, what a great segment that was. And, and man, love having that guy on here. Just uh, another man. Clayton is He's one of our longtime callers. His, his knowledge down on, especially on Eufaula. I mean, he's a great fisherman anywhere in the country, but he tears it up in Eufaula. And a uh, man from the pictures he sent me, he is, uh, they're catching some really big fish right now. So be sure and give Clayton a call if you're wanting to go to, to Lake Eufaula or if you are also wanting to learn how to get better at your electronics because he is a guy down there that can help you get that done but hey let's get to the next segment and uh we got to talk about the tennessee river we got to talk about gunnersville man the fishing is incredible up there right now has some big tournaments up there the last few weeks uh, along the tennessee river and then you know pickwick obviously uh that whole area is fishing really really good right now so I want to introduce our next guest, and he's a first-time caller, so I'm fired up to have him, Preston Kendrick. What's going on, Preston? Hey, how's it going, man? Hey, it's good, man. I'm, I'm excited about having you on, buddy. I, I'm glad we connected and, and, and able to get, get you on the podcast today, so I'm excited to, to hear what all is going on in your world. Yeah, man, it's, it's definitely been busy in my side, in my world for sure been traveling a lot you know getting to fish here and there in alabama and what you know what little i have got to fish on gunnersville it has been just absolutely phenomenal you know just the whole tennessee river you know as a whole is great this time of year with moving offshore and everything so that's no secret but yeah it's, it's been pretty pretty good on my end of things well good now you're you're in if i'm understand right you're you're in texas uh, at Lake Fork, working a tournament right now, correct? That is correct. I'm working a tournament. It's the Skeeter Owners Tournament, and AFCO is one of the brands. We actually sell, so the Skeeter clothing is, you know, the Skeeter branded clothing. We use AFCO a lot for that. So I'm from ATS Printing, they do a lot of the Skeeter print stuff on AFCO clothing. So I'm selling a lot of it and then trying to promote the brand while I'm here. So, you know, that's something we, we talk about. We talk about fishing gear on here. We talk about lures all the time, electronics. I mean, there's everything to do with bass fishing or crappie fishing or any, you know, and, and any freshwater fishing in Alabama we talk about, but we kind of neglect that sometime. And, and you brought AFCO up and obviously, you know, that's a very well-known name in the, in the fishing industry. But just from an insider standpoint, from a guy who's a, who's a fisherman and works in that world, what is it about the AFCO? Why has the fishing community jumped all over AFCO? You know, AFCO has really, it's been around for a long time. And uh, it started out as a, you know, fit American Fishing Tackle Company is what it stands for. So it started out in making fishing tackle, you know, rod guides and stuff like that for the saltwater guys. And lately, they've 
been going into the freshwater industry and bass fishing mainly. So a lot of the guys on tour, you know, wear AFCO. And I think it's just the marketing, the promoting the brand is has got it to what it is today. I mean, the guys that we have uh, on our pro staffs and guys promoting AFCO, I mean, they're they're the best. Uh, they're do, they do a great job of promoting it. And just the AFCO team in general, uh, they're out of California. They've got a great marketing team. Uh, so, you know, they've just done a great job with that, getting the name out there. But, you know, one cool thing I really like about AFCO is the conservation that they do. You know, they do a lot of conservation projects. They support it really well. Uh, lake cleanups. We actually had a lake cleanup the last Bassmaster Elite Tournament on Lake Pickwick, and it went well. Uh, we've had one on Lake Chick, and then our next one's in Wisconsin for the Mississippi River event. So just stuff like that. They contribute to conservation. Uh, a lot of their sales, it's like a certain percentage of their sales goes to help with conservation. So just what they support for that has really helped them a lot. And I think it's uh, a lot of people respect them for that. And I know I do. Yeah, absolutely, man. I do too. I mean, anytime you see a company that's, that's not only making their living off of, of a certain segment, but they're also giving back to that segment uh, is, is always great to see. And, and now they've got, do they have, do they have SPF in their, in their fishing line? They do. A lot of AFCO's sun shirts and really all, a lot of their performance clothing in general has a UPF 40 or 50 or 30 or whatever, but it is a lot of sun protectant uh, clothing that they make. Man, that's awesome. And, and, and I know, I, you know, I had a uh, dermatologist visit earlier this week and I'm uh, sitting here looking at the scars on my arms and stuff right now where they had to, to freeze some some spots off of concern and and that's one of the questions they asked me they're like are you in the are you in the sun a lot and i'm like yeah a pretty good bit and uh with fishing and and it's like man you have got to start wearing some some long sleeves and and uh being protected a little bit because you've got some some danger spots that they had to freeze we don't think about that a lot of time uh you know we all we're all like um you know, grew up in the sun. I don't have to, you know, I don't need sunscreen, but that clothing can be important for, you know, to keep us cool and for our health as well. So that's cool, man, that you work with those guys. I know they do a lot of great things, but let's talk about bass fishing, man. So Gunnerful right now, you mentioned, uh, you know, is is fishing really well. So kind of, man, what's your, what's your approach at Gunnerful right now? How are they, if you're coming up this weekend, I mean, how would you, how have you been catching fish? Yes, right now uh, it's been hot. I will say that uh, a lot has changed over, you know, the past month or so. And I know you mentioned Nick LeBrun was on the show uh, a few weeks back, and he won that tournament. It was kind of that time. It was kind of a mix between shallow and deep, and it's kind of a little bit of both with everybody doing that and anything in between. So. You know, that was good. There was a good brand bed bite going on, and I think there still are some spawn. There'll be another uh, brim spawn, you know, coming, brim moving up, feeding on them. That's another thing I like. I mean, I'm a shallow water fisherman. I don't fish off all that. So, and I'll tell you, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, this is my third time of year on Gunnersville, and I'm not an offshore fisherman. So that just goes to show that you can catch them shallow in the heat of the summer. And most people think, you know, you got to go 20 foot or more uh, in depth. That is not always the case. You can, you can fish shallow, you can flip, you can punch grass, you can throw a frog. I mean, whatever you want to do. And it, even, you know, a lot, a lot of the offshore hydrilla and millful, throw a chatterbait or drag a worm through it, you know, stuff like that. That's what's so cool about that lake. Yeah, it is cool. And there, and you're right, man. You, we all think about this time of year as being a ledge bite and, and fish moving out to the deeper water, but there's some of those fish that stay shallow all through the summer and a lot of fish and, and with a cover that you have in Gunnersville and, you know, it's known for its grass and, 
there's still a certain amount of fish that, that stay up shallow, which is an exciting thing for a lot of people for, you know, there's a lot of fishermen that may not get to fish every day or every week that don't get to go out very often. Uh, maybe they're not as, you know, and they, they know how to fish the grass. They know how to fish the shallow fishing ledges can be intimidating. Uh, if you're not on, you know, especially if you're going up to a lake, you're not overly familiar with, uh, so to know that you can go up there and, and still fish shallow and, and throw that chatterbait, flip a jig, uh, is encouraging to a lot of people. Yeah, so basically, you know, the offshore bite is good this time of year, don't get me wrong. I mean, this is the time of year where the fish move offshore, and the forward-facing sonar has helped tremendously with that. Um, and it can happen other ways, too. So you can use holes in the grass, you can find brim beds with it, you know, you can utilize the forward-facing sonar in many different ways, not just fish offshore, like as in 20 foot or more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, you use it to, to find the brim beds and, and all that, and, and that's always a, a helpful thing for sure. But what's some of your favorite, uh, you mentioned the chatterbait, uh, is that one of your favorites to throw in the in the shallow water at Gunnersville? And kind of how do you are you like fishing it over the top uh, or through or kind of how do you fish it? All right. So yeah, uh, basically everybody thinks like I was mentioning. Everybody likes to fish offshore, but but it's not uh, it's not always the case, and and it's always promising as for someone like me to hear that. Yeah, for. Uh, that you can catch them shallow and you can use you know with forward-facing sonar uh, being making it so famous for the offshore guys you can also use it up shallow to try to find brim beds and holes in the grass and stuff like that so uh, you know in the 10 my idea of shallow is 10 foot or less so anywhere around that range yeah, man, that's great and that's a that's a that is something that we we probably don't think about a lot as far as with the forward facing sonar, if you're, if you happen to have that is that, you know, we, we, a lot, everybody kind of thinks about looking for the, the, the fish, looking for that bass to throw to, but you can use it, like you said, to look for the rim beds, look for the holes in the grass and the places that, you know, fish are supposed to be, or are going to be around. So that's uh that's some great advice. Great tip right there. When you're fishing shallow this time of year throughout the summer, I mean, are you looking for grass that is uh, back in pockets or are you looking for grass that is like maybe closer to deep water? Uh, yeah, so for me in the summertime, I feel like, and it does depend on, you know, if there's a brim bite or something like that, you know, back in pockets is typically better for me, but you can focus on more of that offshore grass uh closer to the main lake uh stuff like that you know whether it be humps shallow bars with grass on them or anything like that you know shallow grass ledges uh, just kind of like treat it like ledge fishing but you're fishing shallower up in the grass almost just kind of like where a sharp drop would be a grass line something like that yeah you know, i like to throw chatterbait or a worm through it yeah what about creeks like you know you you've got uh, like a you know up in tennessee on gunnerful on some of our lakes in nakusa you know you you have some 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 decent size pretty good size creeks actually that run in in different areas and i know that you know as the main lake warms up a lot of times those creeks, especially if they're spring fed creeks and things, the creeks will actually, the water will be cooler in the creek than it is in the main lake uh, as the summer continues to progress. Is, is that something that, that you think about or you look for as the summer goes on, those fish moving back up maybe into those cooler creeks? You know, that is the case a lot of times that the the back of the creek is cooler, especially after like a cool rain that might come through and might dirty up the water, might make it a lot cooler than the main lake. So, yes, that is definitely the case a lot of times. Good stuff. Good stuff. What about color uh, this time of year? Do you When you're throwing that chatterbait or, or a jig or, or a worm, or do you worry much about, I mean, does it? how do you kind of 
determine the color you're fishing with? So normally when I, you know, decide on what color chatterbait or whatever, most of the time I'm either throwing a white or a green pumpkin shade, you know, that way it covers either a shad or a brim. So, you know, if I'm wanting to imitate a shad, I'll throw straight white. If I'm wanting to imitate a brim, I'll throw, you know, green pumpkin, a little bit of chartreuse, maybe like dip my tail in chartreuse for the trailer, you know, something like that. Uh, and most I'm throwing like slowing down with a worm. I'll just throw something natural, you know, green pumpkin or tilapia, something like that. When you're fishing a chatterbait, do you, do you fish it with a trailer? I do. Uh, most of the time I throw, i tell you what trailer I like is the Big Bot Bait Kamikaze Swim On. It's designed exactly, specifically for chatterbait fishing. Uh, you can use it on the back of a jig or a spinnerbait, but it's designed for putting on a chatterbait and it has a lot of action to it. Very cool. Very cool. I think that's what I, I think that's the same one I got where, uh, that I'm fishing with on my chatterbaits too, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, yeah, it, it works really well on there. So, well, where, where are you off to next? So after this, after Texas, uh, I've got a pretty, pretty long break, uh, as far as traveling goes, I've got a pretty long break up until ICAST, which is in like mid July and that's going to be pretty busy. So just getting prepared for ICAST and kind of, you know, getting familiar with the new products we got for our brands. And we do have a lot coming for, uh, you know, Big Bot Bait, Spro, Gamagatsu, Sunline, Denali Rod, AFCO, all those brands. We've got a lot of new stuff coming. So just kind of getting familiar with all the new products for ICAST. Yeah. And what company is it that you're with again? I don't think you said earlier. It was the outdoor brand team is who I work for. Okay, outdoor brand team, and like they 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 are y'all are the distributor. So we are, uh, we're well, we sell to distribute big distributors, uh, but we also sell directly to tackle stores and stuff like that. So uh, we we deal this ways through, you know, selling to distributors and dealers. Yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, hey, look, man, I I so glad we were able to catch up and i know you're off and and on, on lake fork right now and and um you're busy man but so i appreciate your time calling in today look forward to having you on a lot more but if somebody was going up you know we always got to get a tip of the day so if somebody's coming to gunnersville this weekend what would your tip of the day be for the weekend up at gunnersville you know my tip would be especially with the time of year that it is right now, don't get discouraged if it's too hot. Uh, you know, if, if you think the day before you're going, oh, it's way too hot, I'm just not going to go, I would not get discouraged about that. I would go early in the morning, and typically that's when the fish bite better, or late in the evening, you know, maybe even fish at night. Uh, just kind of schedule when you want to go based off of that, but it's never too hot for the fish to bite. Yeah, they got to eat. They like us. It don't matter if it's hot or cold. They still going to eat. You just got to be there when they eat. Good stuff, man. So, well, Preston, man, we appreciate it. And uh, stay safe out there. And, hey, get back over here around Birmingham, man. And uh, when you get a little time, give me a shout. Let's go get in the boat and go go catch some. Sounds good to me, Brian. I appreciate it. I'll let you know. All right, Preston. Take care, man. All right. You too, Brian. All right, guys. Let's take a couple more minutes and hear from some more of this week's sponsors. Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The days of heading out and blindly looking for good fishing areas are pretty much over. Don't waste time and money on fuel searching for fish. You need the most recent, highest resolution images to not only know where to go, but more importantly, where not to go. The knowledge provided by today's technology is critical when planning an offshore fishing trip. Make the choice that professional captains all over the Gulf make and choose Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The easy-to-use interface and excellent customer service will have you on the fish every time you go. Check it out at hiltonsoffshore.com. And also brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or a lake anywhere in the Southeast, Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more healthy trophy fish than ever before. 
And if you're interested in building a new pond or lake, give these guys a call to help evaluate your land and design the best possible body of water for you. If you're anywhere in the Southeast, schedule an obligation-free consulting with one of their biologists by calling 1-888-830-POND or check them out on sepond.com. And also brought to you by Fish Bites. For more than 20 years, anglers everywhere have come to know one thing, that nothing says no to Fish Bites. We are the Fish Bites Nation, and this is your invitation. So grab some Fish Bites and get busy casting, because you can't join the nation without doing the catching. Ask for Fish Bites or Fish Club Lures, or visit fishbites.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Hey, another another good segment with Preston Kendrick, uh, first-time caller. Uh, love having guys on here that we, that we haven't had before. And, and man, Preston knows his stuff and we are looking forward to having him back in. And Hey, it's really cool to hear, you know, this time of year, pretty much every caller we have, uh, is going to be talking about offshore. They're going to be talking about the offshore bite, the ledges. And cause that's, I mean, that's a great way to catch fish right now. And, and that's a big percent of the fish do migrate out to the ledges, but it was really cool to have somebody like Preston on today that's like, hey, I'm a shallow water guy. It's what I enjoy doing, and uh, I can still go up there this time of year in Gunnersville and punch a jig or throw a chatterbait and still catch lots of fish and quality fish. So uh, I'm kind of a shallow water guy myself, so I love hearing that you can you can go up there this time of year and still get that done. So thanks for Preston for that call. Hey, guys, we appreciate y'all. That is definitely, that's going to be a wrap for this week. Uh, but don't forget to invite your friends, tell people about our podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take just a couple minutes and subscribe, rate, and drop us a review wherever you listen. And if you'd like us to, we will email you the show each and every week. All you have to do is text the word fishing to 314-665-1767. And we will email you the show each and every week guys stay safe out there enjoy some fishing this weekend get out hopefully we're going to have some good weather and we'll talk to y'all next week this week's alabama freshwater fishing report was brought to you by bucks island bucks island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs as well as motor sales and services and now they have a pro level tackle store boat and motor trade-ins are welcome Visit them online at bucksislands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And by the Hunting Exchange. Hunting Exchange is an app for iOS and Android that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today. And brought to you by AFCO. Family owned and operated, AFCO fishing apparel and tackle are designed to handle the harshest elements. Visit AFCO.com for on the water performance gear. And brought to you by North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. North Alabama's home to eight picturesque lakes. Pickwick, Wilson, Wheeler, Weiss, Smith, Neely Henry, Lake Gunnersville and Bear Creek Lakes. Each lake is well stocked with a variety of fish, and in North Alabama, fishing is great year-round. For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on Plan to download a North Alabama fishing guide. And brought to you by BoatersList.com. Do you own your own company that needs to reach boaters, anglers, and marine enthusiasts? Sign up for free today to grow your business on BoatersList.com. 